The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 17th chapter. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the gospel of our Lord. So in our story today, in our narrative, um, Jesus, it's interesting, it's, it has the note in there, on the way to Jerusalem. So everything is with the intent of he's going to Jerusalem to die on the cross. And it should frame how we hear and read this story. He's intent on his death and his resurrection. So... If he teaches something or does something, it's probably going to be about that. And he is coming down from the north. He's going through Samaria and Galilee. All right. So he's coming from the north, which is like the wildlands. And he's coming down. And he's probably, don't quote me on this, he's probably in some sort of Samaritan village on the outskirts where the lepers are. People with severe skin disease that can't go to the temple. They can't go and do Sabbath dinner with their family. They can't go Friday night to do Seder. I think that's what you do on uh, Friday nights when you're Hebrew. Anyways, they can't do these things, these rituals, They can't offer up sacrifices for the forgiveness of their sins or in thanksgiving because they have leprosy. They're unclean. No one wants to be near them. The religious laws that have been codified actually say just steer clear, get out. Don't be in the temple. And so their lives are messed up. They want to be in the temple with their family. They want to do Seder meal with their family, but they can't. And so they run up to Jesus, but they're still at a distance. And they cry out, Master, have mercy on us. Master, have mercy on us. They don't even ask, heal us of our leprosy. They say, have mercy on us. And it's so interesting, they call him Master. Which is interesting because Jesus just taught where he was a master. 
sending out servants. And we are, um, if we're faithful servants, we don't ask for thanks. Anyways, asking for mercy from Jesus Christ as Lord and God and Messiah, that's what we do at the beginning of each service. It's called the Kyrie, because in Greek it's called Kyrie eleison, which is one of the most ancient prayers of the church. Lord, have mercy on us. And this is, you're, you've, you've come to church after a week of just terrible things going on in your life, hurting other people, being hurt, being forgotten, and you just offer up to Jesus, Lord, have mercy on us. Give us mercy. You've already had a foretaste of that in the forgiveness of sins. You're going to get even more in hearing the word, in prayer, in the sermon. You're going to receive Jesus Christ in his body and his blood in the supper. But it all begins with this prayer, Lord, have mercy on us. And so Jesus says, go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. And then only one of them turns back when he saw that he was healed. And he comes back praising God with a loud voice. And he falls on his face at Jesus' feet and gives him thanks. Crazy, huh? This one guy, this one Samaritan, who did not even go to the temple to worship. You see, Samaritans were like a break-off sect of the Hebrew faith. They didn't believe you went to the temple. They were looking for a different kind of Messiah. They possibly even practiced magic and divination. People didn't like them. But this one guy, one out of ten... 10%, the remnant, the few, he alone returns and gives thanks to Jesus. Why? Well, we see here, he falls down on his face. You You might say, or this is called prostrating yourself. He lied prostrate. I have to watch, which, which word am I actually using? You have to lie prostrate before your God. He's saying Jesus is God. He gave thanks. He praised God with a loud voice. Jesus is God. Jesus alone gives you forgiveness of your sins. And so, in a very similar way, just as we with all of the church for thousands of years have prayed the Lord have mercy on us prayer, so does this man. In continuation with most of the Western church, we come up to Jesus at the rail and we receive his body and his blood. We receive confession, or sorry, we receive absolution after we confess our sins. And as you can see, you're given the option to either stand or kneel when this happens. Because we are taking after this man, the leper who was healed, the Samaritan, who kneels before his Lord and God and receives cleansing, forgiveness, life, salvation. Why? Because Jesus 
is there. Jesus is here. God was before that Samaritan all the way back then. We are unclean. Jesus is clean. He has our human nature, but he is unclean. Or sorry, he is clean. He does not have the stain of original sin that we have from Adam and Eve. And so he reaches out, which a Jew would never have done back then. I don't know if you've ever, like, flown to Israel, the modern state of Israel. But they bring out all the kosher meals first so that they can make sure that they clean and sanitize all the food so that what the goys eat does not come into contact with the kosher meals. They have to stay clean so that they can enter the temple. If a Jew touched an unclean, sinful person, they would become sinful and unclean. You know, like a dark force coming into your fingertip and ruining your body. But what does Jesus say? It's not what goes in, right? It's what comes out that's unclean. And so Jesus instead shatters everyone's illusions. He reaches out and touches the unclean and sinful. These people that live on the outskirts of town can't participate in temple worship. Jesus touches them and heals them. He makes them clean. And his cleanliness is not marred in any way. For he is Jesus, Lord, God, Christ, Messiah. He is pure holiness. He is God. His touch of his hands, his words, which, you know, your words are a physical wave. Sound is a wave, a physical thing that travels through the air. I still have some engineers here. It goes into your ear and it moves little hair things in your ears and it moves them physically and then it becomes a... Um, uh, a neurotransmitter, and it goes into your brain. It's all physical. Jesus still touches you with his words and makes you clean. And it's crazy. The one who gives thanks, he's a Samaritan. There's nine other. The majority, they were most likely, as we can assume from the story, Jews, Hebrews, the people that should have been expecting their Messiah to be here. And so, I want to introduce to you this concept of the majority of people are going to do something, and it doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Sometimes the small minority of people, and especially in the Bible, are the ones doing the right thing. The majority continue on. You you see, the, the ten, they were all united in what? They were all friends. They hung out together because they were all lepers. They were diseased. They were unclean. That's why they hung out. And so now they're not diseased anymore, and they have... Nothing in common, seemingly. 
the majority of people will remain in their common bond based on their past sinful behaviors. Even after they're cleansed by Jesus and they're forgiven and clean. They'll latch onto their, their behaviors that, you know, like when you, when you wear a rut into the ground, you're, the wheel just fits right in, right? It's harder to make a new rut to fit into once you've been doing the same thing over and over again. And so the majority finds themselves stuck in cycles and habits of selfishness, of not forgiving other people, of gossiping, spreading rumors, etc. Doing the same things over and over again, even if they know it's not the right thing to do. And so that nine out of ten that were cleansed of their leprosy, they go right back to the temple. Right back to the old temple, the, the um, sacrificial system of offering up grain offerings and doves and oxen and stuff like that. But the thing is, Jesus loves the few. He loves the faithful remnant. Those who turn, who return to give thanks. He loves his sheep. His sheep who hear and respond to his voice. And so the cleansed Samaritan, only 10%, the cleansed Samaritan will join Jesus on his journey. It's cool in Greek when it says he was on the way or journeying to Jerusalem. At the end when he says, rise and go your way, he says, rise and journey. It's the same word. Join me. Join me on this journey to the cross, to death, to resurrection. And that's where he asks us to join him. Join me. You've been baptized. You join him in his death, his resurrection. Join me each week. Remember my death. Remember my resurrection. And how you're joined into it. You are forgiven. Give thanks. And I can only imagine that this Samaritan who is cleansed, he'll continue to witness to the other nine, his friends, or they were his friends, his family. He'll incessantly tell them about how he was cleansed of his leprosy and his sin by Jesus Christ, God. He wants them to be made clean too because he loves them. Though, here's the problem. When you tell other people about how you were forgiven, how you were cleansed by Jesus Christ, people get defensive. And they might even deny that they're sick at all. And that's why Jesus tells us to be incessant. For we are all, by nature, sinful and unclean. By what we have thought. By what we have said. By what we have done. And by what we have not done. Right? 
And so we need to come before our Lord Jesus, kneel, and say, Lord, have mercy on us, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. For Jesus told, or he tells all people in his preaching, in his teaching, that he's cleansed us of sin. We should run to the temple. We should run to and tell the priest. But for some reason, all those people, or many, don't run to Jesus, whose body is the true temple, who is our great high priest, who is our Lord, healer, and maker of all things. Instead, who we run to, we run to our old habits, scrolling. We run to another meeting for work. We run to another after-school activity thing. We continue to say hurtful things. And sometimes we even, right after we say them, we say, oh man, I shouldn't have said that. That hurts. But I have to double down. I can't admit I was wrong. And so the majority of crowds of people, even people who say they are Christian, but don't practice it, Jesus calls them hypocrites. They will run out into the world saying they're forgiven because they know information about Jesus. They'll say they're forgiven because they know it. And because they know they're forgiven, they don't have to feel bad anymore. They can just keep hurting people. They can keep hurting themselves. This is in stark contrast to the faith of the Samaritan leper. These people don't show their faith through action. Responding in gratitude, thanksgiving, giving up glory to Christ Jesus who has shown us great mercy. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, which means he is the one sacrifice for our sins, He dies a bloody death on the altar of the cross. He pays for our sins. He wipes away the uncleanness of the world. His body is also the temple where God chooses to dwell among us incarnate. The sacrifice of the lamb on the altar of the cross at the temple of his body makes the one pleasing sacrifice that truly takes away all sin And that truly cleanses you and cleanses me. Not by watching from afar, but from that lamb, that temple, that priest, man, Jesus Christ, who crosses the Old Testament barrier, reaches out, and as we just sang in our hymn, is not afraid to touch you. Reaches out to you on your knees as you receive Communion, as you receive words of forgiveness, as you receive the waters of baptism through pastor's hands and mouth. When Jesus says, go to the temple and show yourself to the priest, he's telling us to always, daily, hour by hour, run to the temple, the priest, the sacrifice, and he will give you healing, mercy, cleansing. We return to Jesus his cleansing forgiveness, water on the head, words to our eyes and ears, blood, body to our tongue, 
touched by the clean one who makes clean and never makes himself unclean, who makes alive over and over and over and over and over again. We cling to him alone like Ruth clings to Yahweh in her confession of faith that is bodily. In this time of uncertainty and despair in her life, all around us are other faithful ones who are also clinging to Jesus, and we should learn from them by seeing the surety of their clinging in faith to Jesus as they look forward expectantly each week to receiving Christ again in his body and blood, as they look forward to the divine service that fits just right, like a well into a well-worn mud. True brotherhood, true sisterhood, with one another, with who the redeemed those that were unclean and were made clean, those who were lost and are now found, but they still were unclean. They still were lost, but Jesus saved them by his blood, by water, by his word, our church. Jesus raises up again and again, not just death to life, but from our knees to standing. He raises us up gives us dignity, dark to light, and he sends us out there because out there is where the people are. It's where your friends and family are. It's where the people who left this church are. It's where people who left the church are. It's where people who have never been in a church are. But we need to show them that this is where Jesus is because this is where he promises to be, in the pulpit, in the book, in the font, on that altar, the words that come out of your mouths. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.